0: Good morning. Glad that you're with us this morning. Looks like we have a good crowd today and so glad that you're with us. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I went to a preaching seminar, a sermon seminar. Now, some of you already are thinking, a sermon is already boring enough. Can you imagine going to a seminar about sermons, right? But somehow I like it, so I enjoy it and learn a lot. But I'll tell you one thing that was kind of sad to me as I was there. I ran into lots of friends and lots of people I know, and it was all great. But with so many of them, I heard sad stories about their congregations, where they are. Of Well, we just haven't come back since COVID. It's not like it was before. We're having this problem, that problem, different things going on. And I just wanted to be quiet because things here are going really well. Praise God for all of that. This is a good place. Our attendance is back very similar to the way it was before. New people are coming. Lots of people have been baptized this year. Good things are happening thanks to the elders and to all the volunteers and staff and other people who are doing so much to to honor God and to put God first. This is the kind of place that I love to be. This is a great place to be this morning. This morning, we continue to talk about bold faith, the idea of having bold faith and being strong, and the world is not getting any easier. Let's just put it that way. It's always been important to have bold faith, but for some of us, maybe we feel more challenges than we have in the past, and if that's the case, what I want to do is to help us all to be stronger than maybe we have been in the past. This morning I'm talking about about the Apostle Paul. He was originally called Saul, and then after he becomes a Christian and becomes the great apostle to to the Gentile world, his name is changed to Paul, and we'll talk about that some other time as to why that is. Most of the time today I'll call him Paul, sometimes I'll call him Saul. He's the same person. Now today, this is only part one of this sermon. I wanted to do part two and do it all at once, but I knew you were already hungry, so you are only going to get part one today, okay? And so we're going to think about some of the early things in Paul's life, and here in the beginning, we're going to read about how Paul first met Jesus. Now let me tell you in the beginning, some of you, you have heard this story a thousand times. It is wonderful that we have others in the audience today will be the first time that you have heard what I'm about to read from the, from the Bible. Paul was against Jesus. He wanted to eliminate Christianity. He did everything he could to get rid of Christians. He loved God, but he just didn't believe Jesus was a part of God's plan, and so he wanted to get rid of everybody who followed him. So here we are in Acts chapter 9 and verses 1 through 16. Now Saul, who later becomes Paul, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and he requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, that means Christians who belong to the church, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him, they stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So he took him by the hand, and he led him into Damascus. And he was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. And there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight. And the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas. And he asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there in a vision that he has seen a man named Ananias, you, coming in and placing his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Now notice that phrase is very interesting. He has authority to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles and to kings and to Israelites, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Wow, there's a lot happening there, isn't there? So many things. Can you imagine, Paul, you are dead set against Jesus. You believe Jesus is is terrible. You believe Jesus is taking people away from God. You, everything about your life is about eliminating people who follow Jesus. And now here you are, you're on the road. You have killed Christians in the past or approved of their deaths. You, You put Christians in prison. And here you are on this road to Damascus. And all at once, this bright light comes from heaven. And there's the voice. And Paul says, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. Wow, it must have been a, a scary moment. Do you know that moment when when you hear news that you're not expecting and all at once it kind of stuns you? Do you know what I'm talking about? I uh I Remember reading about Jack Nicholas, the, the golfer. I think he has like five children. And at the first five, I guess at all five children, when they said, you just, your wife just delivered a boy, he literally passed out on the floor, fell right there every time that he heard that news. Can you imagine? If you had news like that, you cannot comprehend what you have just heard. It is so overwhelming. It is something maybe you expected but couldn't believe, or maybe you weren't even expecting. And here Saul is. This is not what he's expecting. This is counter to everything he knows. It must have been overwhelming. And now here is this man, Ananias, who has been called to talk to Ananias, to, to talk to Saul. And Saul's told, go to this street called Straight. Well, I've never been to ancient Damascus, and it still exists, but it's really hard to get to these days because of all the war in Syria. But from what I understand, in all of that city, there is one straight street, and you would know exactly where to go to the straight street to find Paul and where he was. And so what Paul is told to do here, interestingly, is to be baptized. And so show that that next slide really quickly. There he is, that, that, that Ananias will be the one that baptizes Saul. Now, this story is told Told here, and then it's told in two other times that Paul will tell the same story when he stands up to preach, and he gives what we sometimes call a testimony. And so in Acts 22, verse 16, this is what he says happened. He says, that Ananias came to him, and Ananias said, And now, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Now, a lot's happening in this passage, right? First of all, can you imagine Ananias who goes and preaches this message? And Ananias is at his house, probably having a, a nice evening. He's not, I don't know what he was watching, camel races or whatever they did in those days. They didn't have car races, right? They didn't have baseball to watch. He's doing something, so he's at home, and God calls him, and God says, I want you to go see that man Saul. Oh, I know who Saul is, and I don't want to go. No, you need to go. Lord, do you not know that he has persecuted and killed Christians? Yes, I know, and you are the one who is to go talk to him. You are the one to tell him about me and what his next steps are. You're the guy. It would be just like, as I've shared with some of you in Bible classes before, it would be so similar if a few years ago, if God would have come to us and said, Osama bin Laden's in Houston, he's down on Westheimer at such and such address, and I want you to go and tell him about Jesus. And you'd say, Lord, aren't there other people to go? You know, isn't there somebody else? We'd be scared to death, wouldn't we? That's exactly the kind of man that Saul is. He kills Christians. And so Ananias goes, and as he stands there in in front of Saul, he says, Saul, now why are you delaying? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins calling on his name. He had called out to Jesus before saying, who are you? But now he's going to be calling on his name through baptism, asking for the Lord to live in him, to forgive his sins, to be his disciple, to follow him, to be one of his subjects. Now this incredible thing is happening here that Ananias is bringing to Saul. And now he will be this great Christian man. And you would just think, this is the end of the story. Everyone lives happily ever after. This is exactly what we all want. But I want you to see Acts 9, what happens right after, verses 21 through 23. And all who heard Saul, Paul, were astounded and said, because he starts preaching, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priest. But Saul grew stronger, and he kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. And after many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. Now, there were obviously some Jewish Christians, but we're talking about the overall majority and the leaders there that conspired to kill him. Can you imagine what's happening here to him? Can you imagine? the confusion that they have. I mean, he is one of them. He doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah. He doesn't believe he's the promised one of God. He doesn't believe any of that. And now all at once he changes his tune and says Jesus is the Son of God. Salvation comes through no one else other than Jesus Christ. Paul will say that for us. Paul says that. I want you to imagine that kind of confusion, and today I don't want to ever be political from the pulpit or anything like that, and I'm not trying to use anything that would go that way, but I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I want you to imagine some official or some candidate that you really believe in. Oh, you, if you are into politics, you really believe in this person. Boy, I believe in their agenda, point after point after point after point. I'm for what they're for, I'm against what they're against, all the way. That's my person. And then one day, all at once, you have your phone in your pocket and there is an alert, a news alert that goes off that says that that person has changed their mind. And you go and you watch it on your phone or you find the television and everybody, every channel is on that this person that you thought agreed completely with you and did yesterday is now saying, I don't agree with any of that anymore. I am on the other side. I thought you were for. I was. I thought you were against. I was. I thought you thought. I did. But I don't think that way anymore. I have changed. Can you Imagine what that would do to the news in the United States. Can you imagine what that would do to families as they talk? What are we going to do? Is is he making it up or is she making it up or, or what do we think? And you can imagine the confusion that would come from all of that that would be going on. And I also want to make you want us to think about it on the other side. Let's assume somebody that you don't like that you can't stand, that you are completely against their political platform, there is nothing at all that you would like about what they say, believe, stand for, vote for, whatever, and one day they come out and say, I'm on your side now. I have seen the light, and now I'm on your side. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think that's wrong. Well, yesterday you said the opposite. I know it did, but everything has changed now. I completely see it differently. Would you say, welcome on into the party, would you say that? Would you say, is this not the greatest moment in the history of time, there is nothing we have to worry about? Now, you know what you might do? You might say, trying to infiltrate us is what they're doing, isn't it? You might say, oh, this, oh, I'm not going to trust them. Oh, no way, no way. Now, I want you to imagine the Apostle Paul, later the Apostle Paul, now known as Saul, and I want you to imagine the danger that Paul experienced. Can you imagine the danger? The people before, from what we might call the party of the Jews, now feel completely betrayed by him. And those that he claims to be a part of are thinking, this guy, he is as dishonest as he can be. I don't know if there could be a more difficult place to be. And what's incredible about it is God is the one who put him there. Because God had something for him to do. Even though it was so difficult, Paul kept preaching. He did not back down. He did not change his message. He did not stop. He kept preaching Jesus as Lord. Did not stop. I want you to see some of the verses that talk about this in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, which is right after this baptism takes place. It says when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they're all afraid of him, since they do not believe he was a disciple. So if you have a person in the audience who you think might try to kill you or at least arrest you, you don't want to give them the church directory, right? You don't want him to know where everybody lives, right? And so they're going, no, I'm sorry. And we don't really do this very often this way, but sometimes someone will walk down the aisle and they'll say, we want to place membership. Can you imagine Paul in the Jerusalem Church of Christ decides that he wants to walk down the aisle. It doesn't happen this way, but just imagine for a minute. He walks down the aisle and he says, I want to place membership. And do you know what the, what the elders say of the church? No, we don't trust you. We're not, we're, we're not going to let you we don't trust you yet. And so you can imagine the hubbub that's caused by all this, by what Paul's going through. In chapter 9, verses 28 and 29, it says, Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and he debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. So the church says, you can't be a part of us. And the Jews say, you can't be a part of us. So I'll just be Paul or Saul here, and I'll just preach even though no one wants me. I'm just going to preach and be of Jesus even though the Christians say no and even though the Jews say no. I will just preach anyway. That is what we call bold faith. I get really brave when I have a lot of people around me, but it is much more difficult when I am out there all by myself against tens or hundreds or thousands of people it all becomes more difficult. He is alone. Because you see, Paul's presence meant trouble. It's trouble. He's trouble for the church. We all understand that. But he's also trouble for the Jewish people who don't believe in Jesus. I mean, because now he's propagating something they don't believe in. He's just trouble everywhere he goes, and no one really wanted him. Let me just stop kind of an aside today, this morning, and for a moment, to say some of you might feel that way this morning. It could be even while you're here today. It could be that you feel like no one really wants you. You may feel isolated from your family. You may have lost a job. You may be isolated from people around you in your neighborhood, and you just, you feel alone. Sometimes the only person that cares about us is our dog, right? And if you don't have a dog, then it might feel like no one does, right? Right? Your dog will lick your face even if, you know, no matter what you've done, they, they care for you. But some of us may feel totally isolated and by ourselves. That is the role partially of the church is to be a community where people come together and they have, have people. Where there are people that, that speak good things and people who speak honest things and people who want to live life together and want to put God first. Now, much of Paul's strength, obviously it came from the Holy Spirit, but much of Paul's strength came from a Christian friend by the name of Barnabas. If you know of Barnabas in the Bible, you may not know that Barnabas is not his name. Barnabas is his nickname. His real name is Joseph. But Barnabas means encourager, son of encouragement. And he was such an encouragement that when people saw him coming, they just said, there's the encourager. And they just started calling him encourager hey, encourager, come over here, come help. Let me do another little sermon within a sermon. This morning, if you are needing an encourager in your life, the church is a great place to find that and a great place to be with people that can bring us in. But some of us maybe have even said, you know, I go to church, I'm there every Sunday morning, I'm there 10 30 to whenever David stops or you know, whatever, I'm there at 8 20 to 9 30, whatever it is, I'm there, but I don't feel that encouragement. Well, If you're treating worship service the way you treat a movie theater, before you come in, you find your seats, you sit down, and then you leave afterwards, if that's it for you, you will find as many friends here as you will find at the movie theater. Probably not very many. Because that's not the way it works. You're there with your group to watch that movie and then to walk out. If you're here today and you're just here to sit down and watch this and then walk out... And you go, I don't don't make any friends. What's wrong? That's it. That's it. But if you are involved in ministries and in the life of this church, you'll go, wow, I didn't know there was so much to do. I had no idea all those things were going on. Now, there are some folks who need to rest a little bit because of something that's happened in their life. I totally get that. But for a whole lot of us, There are so many ways to make those Barnabas friends here. I mean, you can be a part of the fall festival in a few weeks and that's one open place there's like ladies bible class where they get together and they study the bible and they eat together there are there are ministries and teaching opportunities and places to be sponsors for for things with our youth group and all those things you sit around and you start talking to people and you start realizing you have things in common and it may be the only thing you have in common is we're both mad at the astros right now i mean that may be it but it, there's the most amens we've gotten since Kirk Castleman moved away. So, <laughs> so that may be it. But at least the friendships start and a person becomes a Barnabas to you and you become a Barnabas to them. Now I want you to see how this developed in Acts chapter 9. Again, we go to that Acts 9 passage after Paul was baptized. Barnabas, however took him and took Paul and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had been the had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus now I think that the leaders of the church in Jerusalem already know about Saul because he's already told them he wanted to be a part and they told him no right I think they've already figured that out. Everybody knows his name because he's the one that goes around and kills people. But you have a man like Barnabas, a man with a good reputation that everybody likes because when he walks into the room, everybody feels better because he's the encourager. And I can just imagine him standing there with the leaders of the Jerusalem church, and Barnabas puts his arm around Saul and says, Hey, guys. I want to tell you all about Saul. I don't know if you've met him, but I think you have, or maybe you saw him and went in another room. But I want to tell you that he had a life that he was completely against God, against Jesus. And he, matter of fact, he studied so much, he was like a rabbi. He was studying to be a rabbi, we know because he studied under Gamaliel. Which means, for us, he would have been able, he had memorized, not quote a few things, memorized, genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy and then the prophets and then the psalms this guy knows the bible the old testament at least and so i want you to know he was studying to be a rabbi but then jesus came to him in a light and he says who are you lord and he said i'm jesus of nazareth and then ananias went and ananias had a vision and ananias baptized him and and he called on the name and his sins were washed away and And I just want you to meet him and know that he's one of us now. Don't we all need someone that could do that for us sometimes? Someone to just say, that's my friend. And when you walk into a building where you don't know people, and all at once you see someone, oh, doesn't that feel good? And you say, that's my friend. That's a person that cares about me, a person that would put their arm around me and would vouch for me. Now, it looks like there might have been a time in Paul's life. Maybe it was a low time right after this. I don't know. Maybe it, was, maybe it was a good time, but he goes away for a while. And in Acts chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, it says, Then Saul went, or Barnabas went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church, and they taught large numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So now you have the church in Antioch, Barnabas is in Antioch, and they're wanting Saul. They're wanting him, and he's away. They don't know where he is. That's what this phrase search for means. They had to go find him. Barnabas says, I'll go find him. Some of us, if Paul had walked away, and I don't think he's walked away from his faith, but somehow he's walked away from that group. If there are people that have walked away from us, and or maybe you have, and you get a call, that's not a person trying to be mean. That's a person trying to be a Barnabas, say, I want to help you out. I want to help you come back. And so whatever it was, there he, Barnabas goes to Tarsus. He finds he finds Saul and he brings him back to Antioch. Antioch has become kind of the center of the church. It is the great mission church. that's where the missionaries are going out from, is Antioch. This is this great, powerful congregation that is both Jew and Gentile and has this heart for the world, and said, "Paul, I want you to come and work there. I want you to be there." And so for a year, they meet together and he preaches and he teaches, and it was exciting. And then when I was a kid, at least, we would always quote this verse, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And that's a great verse. It's a good verse, obviously. And interestingly, usually Christians in the Bible are not called Christians only like three times. They're almost always called disciples. Originally, when this phrase is used, what you are finding out here just by this phrase is that the Christians in Antioch, including Paul, maybe because of Paul, were persecuted because this was a phrase that meant like Christite. You're a Christite, what you are. This was not a term of endearment to be a Christian. This was a term to put someone down, to make fun of them, to belittle them. It was a way to make them look bad. But they're called Christians in Antioch, and they embrace it because they are following Jesus Christ. And it's Paul who is the center of that, who goes on to become this great missionary and, and and do great things that we'll talk about some of those things next week. But I want you to understand this. Paul was persecuted most of his adult life from the time he was baptized into Christ in, in, in Acts. For the rest of the time, he was probably being persecuted more than he wasn't. He was beaten he was left for dead. People threw rocks at him. He was he was put in prison on several occasions. Prisons were awful, dank, moldy places to be, and Paul was in prison in a terrible place. But he kept preaching. He never stopped. He couldn't preach the same way to people with his voice, so he started writing letters to the churches that he had helped plant, and he writes letters to the people who lived, for example, in Corinth, and in, in the region of Galatia, in the old ancient city of Philippi, and Ephesus, and he writes some letters. He never stopped preaching. You know, if it were me, and I tried to share my faith with someone, and i you know, I said, I would like to share the, my faith in Jesus with you, and, and start telling them about Christ, and, and what they need to do, and the people tried to kill me, and all at once they picked up a butcher knife and they started coming after me, I would probably say, you know, evangelism is not my talent. But Paul never stopped. He never stopped. You remember that verse about the kings that he would preach to? It appears the last thing he probably did was preach to Nero, to the emperor himself. That We don't know that for sure, but that's the reason he's in Acts at the very end in, in prison. is because he's going to see the emperor, and you know he's going to preach to him, because he preaches to everyone. He never stopped, and he doesn't stop because he kept his eyes on Jesus. And this is something we're really going to look at next week in Philippians chapter 2. We're Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, this is what Paul says. My goal, he writes this from prison, incidentally. My goal is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. I want you to realize, when you have this attitude... There is nothing that can stop you. Nothing. So they say, we're going to persecute you. He goes, fine. Now I'll understand Jesus better when he went through persecution. Okay, Paul, we're going to, we're going to do bad things to you. Okay, I'll understand more. I'll have more fellowship with Jesus. If you hurt me, if you beat me, if you'll leave me for dead. Yeah, we're, that's a good idea, Paul. We're going to kill you. Okay, now I'll understand more of what it's like to die for Jesus, just as Jesus died on the cross. When there is nothing a person can do to you, you become one of the most dangerous people in the world. And all he wants to do is share love and grace and salvation. Let me tell you, I don't want to be hurt in any way. I I run from things like that. But what I want to do is share love and grace and salvation. So today, I don't have a question like I always have. I have more of an exclamation, and it's hold on, hold on. The picture you see this morning, you see a man who's climbing up a mountain, and in that case, when you have a secure rope, you know you've got to hold on because you don't, things can be really rough. But I have another way I want to talk about this today that's even different. I should have had a different picture after thinking about this. Some of you probably in here like roller coasters. I hate them. The last time I was on a roller coaster, I figured this up. I talked to Barbara about it, figured it out. 1987 was the last time I was on a roller coaster. That summer, I went to three different amusement parks and rode every roller coaster because I didn't want to be afraid of them. I got over that fear. I'm not ever going to do it again. I'm too old, too fat, I could have a heart attack. So, no reason to ever get on one again, okay? But this is the thing about a roller coaster. I remember the last one was at Worlds of Fun in Kansas City, double loop that went around. And I remember what it was like. Let me tell you, I hold on to that bar. I can bend steel whenever I am on a roller coaster. I can bend it in my hands. And I scream from the moment we leave to the moment it's over. I mean, like a baby. There I am. Ah! But you know, there are parts of that ride that are wonderful like, you know, you're going up, you're anticipating, you're anticipating, and then you start coming down, and whenever it's a low little hill, I kind of like those, wee, right, and you go down, it's kind of fun, but then once you start into this loop, and I mean, I don't know, but all the roller coasters I've been on went about 600 miles per hour, they felt like, I mean, you're going fast, and it is so scary, I am scared to death, I am holding on, I'm young, Ah, the whole way as we go, and then it's over, and I go, Wow, that was pretty fun. It's a little bit like life. Some of us are on a real roller coaster. We have been through some dangerous things in our lives. We have in we have had some wonderful times, wonderful times maybe in a relationship or with our kids or maybe at a job and we have had some times that as we used to say were real lulus. They were tough. They were tough. And maybe you are in the midst of a terribly tough time right now you are in the double loop going 600 miles per hour and it hurts and you don't know how to get off this thing but let me tell you this hold on to jesus hold on put your seatbelt on and hold on we don't know where we're going to end up always we don't think we do at least but we always end up back with christ do not give in do not give up hold on This morning, maybe some of us are ready to start that life like Saul did and come into Christ and call upon the name of the Lord by being baptized in him, and he'll wash away our sins and give us his spirit. Maybe you're ready for that. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe it's prayer from everybody. You can come down here. We'll all pray for you. Or you can write to us at elders at mcoc.org. Or maybe you just want to tell somebody in your row, hey, pray for me, please, I'm needing it. Or you can tell me or someone else out in the foyer the most important thing is is that you're right with God and we want to help that however we can and we pray you'll help us because I tell you I've got a long way to go we all have a long way to go come as we stand and sing